Amen. Forever. That is a long time. Hey, how long were you in middle school? Forever. You stole my thunder, Kent. I was going to say, man, that was the longest 10 years of our lives. How long were you in high school? Seems like only a six months or so. Like six, High school is a pretty good time for most of us. Some of us, maybe. Four years. How long? How long will you work your career? Forever. <laughs> most of us will work a career for 40 45, 50 years? How long, how long will you be married? Forever. Well, Jesus would take issue with that answer. Since in heaven we're neither married nor given in marriage. But most of us would be married for, you know, if, if we start young and we live a long time, you know, what would you max out? I mean, my grandparents... My grandparents celebrated 65 years of wedded bliss uh, this year. I mean, maybe, maybe some of us are married 70 years. 70 years is not forever. Forever is a long, long time. And my question is, what are you doing to get ready for forever? Okay, we do stuff to get ready for high school, we do stuff to get ready for college. We do stuff to get ready for spring sports. We do stuff to get ready for our career. We do stuff to get ready for retirement. What are we doing to get ready for forever? So I have a question that I want you to really take seriously. And, and I, would, I would like you to write down your answer to this question. And that is, what do you only do because... You are a Christian. What do you only do because you are a Christian? Now, I, I mean, I could talk about, I, I think I should answer this because I'm asking you to answer this. So I'll just, I'll just tell you, maybe, maybe this is more information that you want, but I tithe. Because I'm a Christian. Because I believe this stuff. I don't just tithe because I'm a pastor. Tithing is something my parents taught me to do with birthday money when I was a little kid. And I've been tithing ever since. Because I believe this stuff. Nathan would not tithe naturally. Nathan would save money naturally. You know, tithing is something I do only because I believe this stuff. Another thing I do because I believe this stuff, and again, like I'm like showing you, Nathan is greedy. You know, that's what I just said. Okay? Nathan is also selfish with his time. I, I would, I do kids hope because I believe this stuff. Like if, if I took a personality test they would probably recommend that I not do Kids Hope. You know, what I need you to do is go 100 miles an hour during your workday and then stop and drive to an elementary school and color pictures with a little kid that's not your kid. That's not what I'm like. 
I do that because I believe this stuff. Another thing that I do because I'm a Christian is I pray. I pray, hallowed be your name, not my name. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Your will be done, not my will be done. I'm just, I, that's what I do. I mean, there's, there's other things I could probably list, like you could list, but these, this is not what Nathan is naturally like. This stuff does not come naturally for me, but I do this because I believe in the resurrection. And I'm asking you, what do you do because you believe in the resurrection? My job this week, this Sunday morning, is to help you keep believing in the resurrection and to help fuel you when you are very, very tired. When you are exhausted and you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this stuff. I don't know if I can. Now, and so, so what I want to do is, is like, this is all I have to say this morning is that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It is, it is not a waste of time. And if you're just jumping in with us, this is week four of a four-week series. And so if we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is, a, this is the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where I'm trying to bring it all together and put all the pieces together this morning. And the last verse of the chapter goes like this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I'm saying your labor is the stuff that you only do because you are a Christian. The stuff that you do because you believe in resurrection hope. I want to help you keep believing that this morning. I want to put fuel in your tank this morning from that text and I'd like you to write down, what do you do? What do you only do because you believe that your labor in the Lord is not in vain? And if you're here and you're like, I just don't know if any of this is true. I, I don't know. I haven't really made up my mind about Christianity yet. I don't know if the Bible is true. I don't know about Jesus. I'm kind of curious. Well, this is our why. This is why we do what we do this morning. This is what motivates us to live differently. This is our why, if you're curious. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know what? I should pray. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. Lord, I pray that you would speak over me while I speak to them. I pray this because we're your kids and we need to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, that's why we have y'all up there. We don't have, we didn't, I mean, I probably should have had y'all up there the whole time. Uh, have y'all up there because now it's time to deal with it. This is not King's English, but it is a plural form of you. And the you there is plural. Your labor. It's all y'all's labor 
is not in vain. Paul, this is written to a church, not an individual in Corinth. So it's like, y'all, y'all's labor is not in vain. The work you're doing together is not in vain. So I tell you this, brothers. He wants them to remember that they are brothers. Look, one of the reasons it's so hard to keep serving is because we are so, it's so easy to be divided. It's so easy to be angry. It's so easy to find stuff to fight about. And that is not new. The Corinthian church knew about division. And Paul is reminding them that they are what? Brothers. You'll see that again before we're done. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is when God finally and fully asserts his will. Think of a messy house. Are you not in charge when your house is messy? No, you are in charge. You are just not asserting your will. When you assert your will over your house, you clean it up, and it looks the way you want it to look. One day God will assert his will, and when he does, flesh and blood will not remain flesh and blood like it is right now. You will not go to heaven without an upgrade. Let me explain that to you, okay? Because um, this is what we've been talking about kind of, kind of all the way through 1 Corinthians 15. This is what the resurrection is. So if I could draw a picture of it for you, I would draw this. Think of this life right now. This is flesh and blood right now. This is your body and your spirit are united in your person. So you are a body and a spirit right now. This is what you are. When you die, or when your loved one dies, what happens is the body and the spirit are separated. If death is anything, it is separation. So body and spirit get separated at death. This is why you know where they're buried, or you know where you spread their ashes, you know where you keep their ashes, their body and their spirit are separated, but they are not there. Body and spirit are separated. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, where he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and I did correct that reference. Last week I had Philippians 2 up there, and I should have had Philippians 1. My proofreader did not catch it, and I am only blaming, well, myself, because I'm my proofreader. And that's how to die is gain, because when we are absent from the body, we are with the Lord. This is, this is the intermediate state. It's, it's, you're not, it's, it's not this life, and it's not how things will finally end up. It's the intermediate state. It's in the middle. So when we die, our spirit, if we're saved, goes to be with the Lord, and our body stays wherever our body stays, whatever happened to it. Then, what 1 Corinthians 15 is about, what 1 Corinthians 15 is about is the resurrection of the dead at the end of all things when Jesus returns and finally asserts his rule and cleans up the mess that is, then our bodies will be resurrected, they'll be upgraded, they will be made new, they will be updated, and our spirits will be reunited with our resurrected bodies okay so that's a big explanation of 
Brothers, we know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But take that with you now. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So the Apostle Paul is saying flesh and blood like we have, like the body we're in now, has a shelf life. It is dying. It is going away. But it will inherit. It will be upgraded to imperishable. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It's not just dead people that will get an upgrade. If we're alive when Jesus comes back, we will get an upgrade too. In when, how long will this take? Well, because before he's been talking about how we're like seeds. Our bodies are like seeds. They, like, they go into the ground. Think of burying someone. And like a seed would go into the ground. And how does the seed come up? Does the seed come up the same way that it went into the ground? No. Think of a sunflower going into the ground. And seed going into the ground and coming up a plant. In the same way, Paul writes earlier, you go into the ground perishable. You come out imperishable. You go into the ground in dishonor. Nothing attractive about a corpse. You come out in glory. Like, so much splendor, you can barely look at it. You go into the ground weak. Corpses can't do much. You come out in power. Like, this is what he's been, how long will this take? And he's been using growing metaphors. Well, it won't take long. In the moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Now, instead of growing, he's saying it'll happen in the blink of an eye. This is why we say, don't wait and think you can change your mind at the last moment. At the last trumpet, when Jesus returns, for the trumpets will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. That's that plant growing, changing, upgrading metaphor. And we will be changed for this perishable body that has a shelf life that is going away must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. It will get an upgrade. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death shall be swallowed up in victory. Death, my friends, has a deadline. This is why your labor in the Lord, the stuff that you only do because you are a Christian, this is why your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because the resurrection is true. It is true. Otherwise, if the resurrection isn't true, we are only building sandcastles. Look, I, I don't mind building sandcastles. But the reason I don't take it very seriously is because it's a waste of time. I mean, sandcastles are going away. But think of, think of how much product is moved or how much people invest in perfecting this mortal body. I've got news for you. It's a sandcastle. It's perishable. It's going away. Think of, 
Think of how much energy we spend worrying about our legacy, worrying about our little kingdoms that we try to build. Think about how much energy we put into trying to control our little sphere of influence. We are mortal, and therefore that stuff is mortal. It is going away. How many companies outlive their owner? Some of them. How many live for 100 years? How many live for 200 years? How many companies live for 1,000 years? That's not forever. All of it's going away. Sometimes when you're watching a sports, turn, a sports game, you see in the last 10 seconds the team is down by 20 and they just kind of give up and just let, let the clock run out because otherwise they'd just be prolonging the inevitable. If the resurrection isn't true, all we're doing is prolonging the inevitable. It's all sandcastles if the, if the resurrection isn't true. But the resurrection is true. And this is why your labor is not in vain because you labor for a prize that is imperishable. You labor for a kingdom that is immortal. You labor for something that has resurrection power that will outlast everything in this world. Your labor in the Lord, the stuff that you do only because you have resurrection hope, that is not in vain. Because we believe in the resurrection. Paul writes, death will be swallowed up in victory. And then he says, where, O oh death, is your victory? O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is sin. Okay, let me help you with that. Because earlier we referenced Philippians 1 where Paul says to die is gain. Well, now he's talking about how the sting of death is sin. Well, here's why. It's not that death is terrible. To, to die is gain because it means we'll be with the Lord unless, unless we've got sin that we haven't dealt with, unless we have sin that Jesus hasn't dealt with. Because sin separates us from God. So there's you and there's sin and there's God. And sin separates us from God. So look, I mean, you already know this is true. When you find out that someone is sinning against you, like, say, lying about you, does that make you feel closer to them or further away from them? I mean, I think you already know the answer to that question. When you find out that someone has been cheating you, does that make you feel closer to them or further away from them? When you find out that someone has been betraying you, does that make you feel closer to them or further away from them? How much more true is that of God? Sin separates us from God. And this is the sting of death, that we would go into eternity separated from God. So what's the answer? Well, there's no answer yet, because a lot of us think that the solution is trying harder to be good. Like, okay, okay, I'll read the self-help books 
and I'll find how to be the best version I can of myself. And I will try super duper hard this time to be good. And the Bible's language for that is keeping the law. Because that will help me achieve goodness, and that will help God like me, and that will make me like myself. Well, watch what Paul says next. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, because we know the right thing to do, and we simply can't do it. We know the ladder to climb, and we simply can't climb it. We know what the standard is, and we simply can't keep it. And, and, and it promises us, like, 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 just follow these steps. Just keep these commandments. Just keep this law, and you'll be good. And God will like you, and you'll like yourself. And that's all it takes. And all it does is condemn us even further. It just points out our failure after failure after failure after failure until we get to the point where we stop trying. So here's the good news. The good news is not that you need to keep harder, you need to try harder to be good this week. Or that I've got three new steps for you to follow that will make you good this week. That's not the good news. Here's the good news. But thanks be to God who, what's that next word? Gives. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the answer to our sin? The cross is the answer to our sin. How, 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 do, we, how do we get right with God? We receive the victory from the Lord Jesus Christ, and that moves us into close fellowship with God as our sins are forgiven. And as we receive the righteousness of God. Look, one of the reasons we get tired of laboring for the Lord is because we try so hard and we try so hard and we try so hard to be good. And we realize that we can't. And we just end up just so tired and defeated. Or we try so hard and we try so hard and we try so hard to help them be good. And we just can't. Look, if you're here and you're going, I've tried so hard and I just can't do it. Look at me. Good thing Jesus gives the victory. Good thing you don't have to do it in your strength. Good thing you can look up and ask. You're like, I've tried so hard and I've tried so hard and I've tried so hard to change them. And I just can't change them. Look at me. Good thing God gives the victory. Only God can change them. Might be you're overwhelmed as you watch the news cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle. And you watch the news and you're like, evil is so big and so strong. Good thing God is bigger and stronger and better 
and all evil everywhere. And one day, all of it will bow and proclaim Jesus as Lord. He is the one that gives the victory. Why is our labor not in vain? Our labor is not in vain, first, because we know that the resurrection is true. Why is our labor not in vain? Why don't we just quit? Because it's not just up to us. We don't have to do this just in our own strength. It isn't just up to you to change them or just up to you to change you. It's up to us to look up to God and receive the victory that's already ours in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that Jesus gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on, therefore, oh, did you see, do you remember that from the beginning? It's kind of like the church at Corinth needed to be reminded that they were brothers. Therefore, my beloved brothers. The therefore, you've, I'm sure if you've been in church world for a while, you're always supposed to look back and see what it's there for. It's like, okay, remember the context of this command? Well, we've been, we spent four weeks working through the context, and here we are at what you're supposed to do. Therefore, my beloved brothers. First thing is, remember your beloved brothers. Remember that's what you are. Then, be steadfast. Okay, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you want to quit. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work. Remember that your labor is not... Okay, work... Always abounding the work of the Lord. Whose work is it? Say it. Whose work is it? It's the Lord's work. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor... Knowing that in the Lord... I got ahead of myself there. Reverted back. Anyway. Knowing that, you're, knowing that in the Lord... Your labor is not in vain. Like that's been the point the whole time. This is how he closes out the chapter. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Why is your labor not in vain? Well, well, we said because the resurrection is true. We're not building sandcastles. We're building, we're, we're investing in eternity. Why is, why is this not in vain? Because it's not up to us. We don't have to do it in our own strength. Jesus gives the victory. Why is this not in vain? Because it is the Lord's work. Look, you've probably worked for people before who were incompetent. And they had you do work that was in vain. That was a waste of time. You've probably worked in situations like that. That is not what it's like to work for the Lord. He is not incompetent. You've probably worked for people that were just plain cruel. That is not what it's like to work for the Lord. He is not cruel. You've probably worked for people, those of you who are contractors, you probably worked for people that couldn't pay you. That is not what it's like to work for the Lord. He can reward you. Will, will he let your labor go unrewarded in this life or the next? Is that what the Lord will do? No, your labor for the Lord is not in vain. It's not a waste of time. It will not go unrewarded. It is not in vain. All right. So in the beginning, I asked you to write down, what do you only do? Because you're a Christian. 
What do you only do because you have resurrection hope? And I don't know, I don't know what you wrote down. Um, that's between you and God. And so, so it's like, God is watching me write this down. You know, I'm, I'm, there's no secrets from God. He sees what I'm writing. And I don't know what you wrote. Um, you may have started where I started. We talked about tithing. And, and here's, here's what I'd like you to do. If that's what you wrote down, take that first thing that you wrote down. Before God, I do this because I'm a Christian. It's the only reason I do it. This is why I do it, because of resurrection hope. Right after that, this is not in vain. This is not in vain. Because the resurrection is true. I don't know what you wrote down. You might have written down something about volunteering. A lot of you volunteer at different places around the city. A lot of different nonprofits. You know, you volunteer at Positive Options. You volunteer at Camp Beach Point. You volunteer at the Congregational Kitchen. You, you volunteer all around the city in different places. You volunteer here at church. We have people up there in cubbies right now. We have people in the nursery right now. We have people in the booth right now. You know, like it, there's, you volunteer all over the place. And you do this not because you don't have anything else to do. Because you have other stuff to do. But you do this because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It is not in vain. You may have written down something much more personal. You know, I, I continue to love them because I believe the resurrection is true. And it may be that you keep loving people at church even though you have strong disagreements with people at church. Now, I don't know what church people could possibly disagree on during this season. <laughs> it's been fun, hasn't it? Trying to figure this stuff out. With all of our different opinions and all of our different perspectives, sometimes you disagree with a person in the mirror about these things. Why do we keep loving each other? Because we know that we are beloved brothers and sisters, and our labor together in the Lord is not in vain. Keep loving people at church. You keep loving people in your house. Maybe family members that are outside your house. You keep loving people that are hard to love because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That we are, after all, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're going to spend eternity together, so we might as well figure it out here. You love people that you'd love to hate because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.
This is it. This is why we This is why we give. This is why we serve. This is why we love. This is our why. If you hear going, why do they do what they do? Why do they remain hopeful when other people would give up hope? It's because we believe that Christ gives the victory. It's because we believe that this life is not all there is. Let's live like that this week. Let's build habits that only make sense in resurrection life. So that so that when the outside looks in, they can say that only makes sense in resurrection life. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you give each of us courage this week to live in resurrection hope, knowing that our labor for you is not in vain. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.